Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life. I'm super excited to have this conversation with Purcell Gaskins, who was a speaker at our most recent Columbus retreat. Absolutely blew us all away with his Saturday morning devotion. And uh, really, really thankful to be able to reconnect with him and share that conversation and pieces of it, uh, the essence of it with you today. And uh, it's been an honor to do this podcast. ISI uh, stands for Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a men's uh, organization. We, we uh, exist to help men succeed in the five F's, which is faith, family, faculty, finance, and fitness. And really, as opposed to having those as separate compartments, how can we put faith at the center of all those? And how can living a faith-filled life help us exceed and excel in our finances, in our family, in our key relationships, in our fitness? And so that's what we're doing. We're trying to go back and re-talk through uh, the people who've been willing to sh uh, share their time, their wisdom with us at the retreats. And that's what this conversation with Priscilla is all about. We have awesome retreats in Cleveland, Columbus, and likely other cities in the future. All that can be found on the isilife.com where you can see the, re the retreat dates for 2024, which are filling up. So if you're interested in coming for a 24-hour retreat, it's usually on Friday from like one or three until Saturday at one. So it's a, it's a low impact to your family, but a high impact for you and your role in, in all your areas of life. So we'd love to have you at, at those. And then we also do, in addition to the, the two retreats a year, we also have Stay Sharp Saturdays, which is a one hour Zoom call. Um, they're amazing. It's a way to connect with the guys that are part of the ISI group. And we bring in guest speakers and, and do great things to help give you some pep in your step on those five Fs. So check all that out at the ISILife.com. Register, join us. Uh, we'd love to have you there. Without further ado, I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Purcell. All right, Purcell, I'm pumped to be with you. Glad to have you on the podcast here this morning. So thanks for making some time. Oh, man, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. You guys do a great job. Um, I love being at the retreat. I can't wait for the next one. I want to make sure I get um, other guys involved, but I'm excited for um, what you guys are doing. And, and I just can't wait to be a, a part of it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday morning, you uh, you definitely started off things with a bang, got everybody kind of moving and like, up and clapping. It was just awesome. Oh, yeah. Was, it was uh, <laughs> two claps. <laughs> yes. It yes. Was a, it was a great way. I don't think, you know, people were expecting it, but man, it was it was so good. Um, and I'm excited to kind of get into what you talked about, but before we do that, just give us a little background on, you know, who you are, where you grew up, um, a little bit of your, your professional background up to current state. Okay. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in, um, Daytona beach, Florida. I'm a Florida boy. Um, played a lot of, uh, football, basketball, track, baseball. Um, was, wasn't, wasn't the, uh, I was the youngest of four boys. So I wasn't the most likely to succeed. All of my brothers were doing other stuff and I just, mm -hmm was a late bloomer and I came out of nowhere, um, high school jumping seven, two and a quarter, winning the state national state, um, title, winning the national titles. And when I was in 10th grade, I won the national title, Spokane, Washington with seven foot. So I was, um, leaping and jumping and playing football and just excited about life. At that point, I was, um, like I said, I was um, a quick story said growing up, I was like I said, I was young as four boys. But so I was the one that got least of the attention. So while my other brothers were doing stuff and if they were uh, football, you know, street tag football, they would I would be the last kid to get picked. So I would just go and play in the grass. So I ended up going to the bridge. It was called Granada Bridge in Ormond Beach. And I would run up and down that bridge. And at mm -hmm. the time, I didn't know anything about what it would do. I would just I just said, I'm going to just work. I just felt like I, you know, by myself, I'm going to work. And the next summer I went back into the gym and I 
caught a basketball off the rim and dunked it back in, and the whole gym just went crazy. They were like, oh! <laughs> from that jump. point on, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's just been just been a difference. Um, so growing wow. up in Florida, um, I ended up having an opportunity to sign a Division One scholarship at University of Tennessee um, out of high school to play football and run track. I ended up transferring within the first three weeks from University of Tennessee to Alva, Oklahoma, because my um, test scores and having to retake the SAT and going through that whole thing. I almost just said, give me a ticket back to uh, Daytona, mm-hmm. um, calling quits. But I took a Greyhound from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee to Alva, Oklahoma, which was 24 hours on a Greyhound. When I got there, you know, I um, was the only kid on campus because I was there two weeks early before football season start at the NAIA. Wow. Um, university and uh that was a, ch- a, ch- a challenge for me just being the only kid on campus not knowing anybody or anything here again you know i'm challenged and tasked with you know just believing what god had showed me a long time ago and i didn't i didn't share that but that was when i was 12 um i had a dream that i was in the nfl and i woke up from my dream went into my bedroom i'm in my mother's bedroom and told her hey mom gonna go to the NFL and buy your house you, you know and I, you know our moms are okay hmm. it was um so fast forward so I go to the NAI school for a year transfer to Kansas State University first year at Kansas State I ended up competing and winning NCAA national title um in the high jump with the jump of seven five and also becoming a uh all-american my first year at Kansas State um in football end up graduating from Kansas State um, being drafted fourth round, 10th pick by the St. Louis Rams. And then um, during on draft day, I was sitting on the same couch I had to dream on 12 years later. And I told my mom, OK, mom, going by that house. So all of those things culminated where, where, you know, I just God showed me something and I believed it. And I, it wasn't something that I tried to make happen. I just joined in and came into agreement with what was in my belly. And God added the people and the resources around me to let it happen. And so the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And so I take that um, even throughout my life, um, just letting God be true, finding opportunities to let God be true and not make him be true. And anytime I find myself trying to make God be true, um, I back all the way up and just say, nope, I'm trying to make something happen as opposed to letting it happen. And Mm -hmm. that's what gets me in trouble. So, um, um, so I, after football played with the Carolina Panthers, played with the St. Louis Rams, and, um, well, was drafted um, fourth round, 10th pick by St. Louis Rams. Played their year, played with the Carolina Panthers a year and a half, and um, started working in school systems, coaching as a parent advocate, as a uh, um, behavior specialist. Did that for about 15 years. And uh, a lot happened. I was able to do a lot within that 15-year period in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then my wife is originally from Columbus, Ohio. I moved um, because of my wife. Her father was ill. So she moved here first with the kids. And then I, in 2015, and then I came up um, a year and a half later because I was still coaching. And so got here into, uh, got here um, in Columbus, Ohio and connected with Ryder Razio. Um, I was a big component of FCA and partnering with FCA I'm in Charlotte. So that was just something natural upon making that connection. Um, ministry wise and connecting with people within the FCA circle, 
Um, that allowed me to meet some really great people and connect with some really great people. But I didn't know what I wanted to do professionally here. And so I started out, uh, I got here, um, I, I had a company called um, Purcell Gaskin Solutions, and I would provide um, crisis management and behavior intervention um, classes for Columbus City Schools, where I would mm-hmm. um, get contracted in. Then I, you know, knew there was something else, um, so I got into coding and programming, and um, ended up like, like I said, letting things happen. Ended up there was an opportunity for me to interview for a position at Amazon. It was a management position, and the recruiter was like, well, I see you have a background in um, programming, cybersecurity. You, I see you're in school pursuing your master's. And I was like, yeah, he was like, what do you think about interviewing for um, an SDE job, which is software development engineer? And I said, sure. So I inter- interviewed for the job and just got it. I mean, ended up getting it. It was a five-hour interview. There was 12 different people I had to interview with. It was a rigorous process, but at the end of the day, I never knew I was a nerd. I never knew I liked computers. Never. So there's a lot that goes into just letting things happen. It'll shock you. And so I um, live my life every day as if I'm opening a gift because I don't know what God is going to reveal. I believe that we're all, we all have eternity on the inside of us and it takes eternity to reveal eternity. So mm. that's uh, how I live my life. It's amazing. I love that. Let God be true. Don't make, make him be true. Yeah. Uh, I've not heard anybody say that on all the podcasts that we've done to this point. Said in different, maybe different ways, but mm. I love that. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. What a story. I love hearing people's stories. I think it's one of the coolest things here, you know, yeah. um, just from training on the bridge to, you know, that dunk that led to all that athletic yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. and and then to, you know, to what you're doing now. And I mean, and you got the guys fired up at ISI. So you have a completely other set of gifts, um, you know, from yeah. a speak, speaking perspective. Where did you hone uh, hone those skills? Oh, man, just uh, I think it was just really naturally just coming from a kid who, who was considered shy growing up. Just speaking from, you know, I've I've had a gift to always speak to the heart and not to the mind. And mm-hmm. I found it it's very it gives you instant social capital around kids. The fact that you played in NFL. So when you speak to kids, many times, you know, you want to speak to the mind of a kid, but they'll give you their mind if you speak to their heart. And so I love speaking people into where they're going. I think that that's a gift. Some people call it seer or prophetic, but I just say, I, I love just seeing a person and speaking, speaking them into where they're going. I feel like mm-hmm. the Bible tells us this. It says that the word of God is a, becomes a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So if we're conduits of bringing heaven to earth, um, somebody's waiting on you to speak in order to give them the light that they need to move forward. And so people are held in stages of arrested development. I believe that we're all assigned and called to um, speak into the lives of people directly and indirectly. But if we, if we hold our tongue, they don't have the light that they need to move forward. Wow. That's, Amazing. I love it. So good. Well, obviously that came super, you know, very natural to you and, and uh, yeah. hearing you, hearing you talk at ISI doing the morning, you usually start every Saturday with like a morning devotion. And, um, I think that's one of the coolest things about ISI is all these, all these people who've come that I, we have never met, you know, get a chance to come and share their story, share their gifts, um, share some type of experience that they've had that can help other men, you know, sharpen up. And right. um, that's what I, that's what I love is like, I mean, Without ISI, I mean, you and I probably would have never crossed paths, maybe, right. but uh, through Jordan <laughs> or one of those other guys. But, you know, 
uh, here and that. And then, you know, so what led you, so your talk was on um, back to the garden. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they just asked you, Jordan probably said, Hey, we want you to do our faith devotion and probably left it at that. And then you came up, you came up with this. How did you, how'd you come up with back to the garden as, as what you wanted to talk about? Um, Man, just looking at men and understanding our, some of the challenges that we face in the 21st century as believers um, and being men in the 21st century and seeing what we face, I just felt like um, the, the gospel that we hear is incomplete if it does not point us back to the garden, because God is always calling us back to our high state of existence. Um, and that place where the veil was torn, we no longer have um, something blocking us from getting to the father. And the one place that we see that is in the garden, Genesis chapter one and chapter two before the fall. And so if, if our repentance is just to, you know, we, you know, when we say repent, repent for the kingdom is at hand. First of all, there's two things that have to take place. We have to um, turn and go back the other way. We have to repent and there has to be a change of mind or a change of consciousness that brings us to the highest level of consciousness, which means that Christ came representing that consciousness, that father son relationship where he says that I only do what I see my father do, only say what I hear my father say. And it's the, the only place we see that other than Christ, our Lord coming to the earth is in the garden before the fall. Mm-hmm. And so saying back to the garden means that I'm repenting all the way back to the garden. I'm repenting beyond um, chapter one of, 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 of Matthew or, Matthew. or whatever, you know, you, you want to repent, not just to Joshua, the book of Joshua, Deuteronomy. No, I want to repent all the way back to my highest state of consciousness where I was one with the father. And so I felt like back to the garden represents us seeking repenting and seeking ye first the kingdom and that kingdom, that place of dominion where we, we, we were one with God and we reigned and rule in a place where God had given us dominion and authority within the garden of the earth to steward over it correctly and operate in um, uh, uh, Ubuntu type um, system of governance. And that means that, be, you know, I am because you are, so we are. So that means that every decision that I make, I make it with your best interest in mind. And it's going back to the garden and repenting um, that frees us from the bondages of um, the things that men battle with now, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, all of those things are cut away when we give up our rights to exist and the fallen nature that we inherited. And so there are two things that take place in going back to the garden. One is that we acknowledge that we're, we're, um, we're, we're, we don't have within our carnality isn't wired to produce a kingdom reality. That's number one. And number two, we have to give up our rights to exist in the Adamic nature that we inherited from Adam through the fall. And what that means is, yeah, I, I, I acknowledge what sounds good, tastes good, feel good and look good. But those things won't be leaders in my life. Mm-hmm. Appetite is a great follower, but a horrible leader. Our appetites, if appetite is leading, it'll lead us to destruction. If emotions are leading, they'll lead us to destruction. But they're great followers and servants, but horrible leaders. And so our repentance back to the garden puts us in a position where we now have dominion, authority, and power. We're not ruled by what sounds good, tastes good, look good, feel good, sounds good. 
Man, <laughs> I love that. And you, you touched on that a lot. Um, you know, what looks good, feels good, tastes good. Mm. Um, those are, you know, usually the, the temptations, the sins. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, and then you kind of got into like this, the concept of the solutionist, like, after, mm-hmm. and what you yeah. set the, set the table, right? Which yeah. is the first time I've heard, you know, really anybody talk about that. Yeah. Um, that, that comes along, you know, that's a part of the package. You know, when God created all of us, um, he put himself in each and every individual that he's, that's broken the matrix of their mother's womb and we're birthed out of eternity into time there's greatness in us. There's, there's the solutionist gene inside of each and every one of us to save the day, to solve the problem. And when we um, acquiesce to Holy spirit and giving Holy spirit access and free reign within us to give birth to those realities, um, then I believe that that's bringing heaven to earth as being a solutionist. You look at Albert Einstein, you look at um, some of our greatest thinkers and scientists, even even now with um, Terrence Howard and what he's done in unlocking what they call the uh, the flower of life and some of the new technologies are being born out of just thinking and being a solution is I believe that we're all problem solvers and that if a problem arises within our sphere of influence and within our generation and time, then the kingdom solution is on the inside of us. But it takes being courageous to give birth to that reality and bringing heaven to earth. Like most people are trying to go get, get earth to heaven. Most people just, I just want to get to heaven though. God wants to get heaven through us so that it can, we can transform this planet. Um, so when you talk about solution, it's, it's a, it's, it's born within each and every one of us. I believe, you know, I, I believe that it's not by accident that you gave birth to a school that you gave, you know, the things that you just, boom, okay, we have a school. Mm-hmm. And it it came out of a desire to say, okay, this is the problem. My kids need an environment where they can grow and learn, learn that's high growth. That's, that's going to give them everything that they need socially, emotionally, and academically. So I need to create an environment because environments make results predictable. And mm-hmm. those are the things that are in us. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would love, like that's, it's amazing just talking to you and hearing your testimony about the school, but man, you, that was in, just think that was in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes me want. It makes me want to like. How how can I? You know, I think that's something that a lot of the guys are are coming. Is like, how do I? I know I have more potential. I know God wants to work through me. How do I? How do mm-hmm. I do it? How do I pull it out of me? Um, and it, maybe while you think on that, just it, your comment there is so so wild. Um, good. It's when we when we launched Acton, we talked about um, a, a big part of Acton is to in the traditional environment. And again, there's no perfect schools, but in a traditional right. environment, there's the school setup is more like a carpenter where you're kind of trying to like mold you and you do this to get mm-hmm. that. And then you're going to be prepared for X and Y and Z versus the acting approach is really to be, to think of yourself more like a gardener than a carpenter. And your mm-hmm. idea is to create the garden where the learners can just become what they're, you know, what they're intended to be like grow from the roots that they have and, and create that awesome atmosphere, create the right environment, create the right, healthy nutrients and soil that these learners can take root in and grow into what God made them to be without mm-hmm. trying to mold them into what, you know, we feel they should be. Um, wow. Pretty different approaches. Yes. And, uh, but it's, it's, I think very in line with what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're saying is so true as children, I can truly say everything that I'm doing was drawn. It was already in me. 
and then the environment drew it out of me and mm. what was external said amen to what was internal it's almost like john the baptist and jesus a mother's meeting and the bible says that both of them babies leaped when they met because mm -hmm. there was one internal reality saying amen to another and i just think um yeah to educate to 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 draw out of what was already in like that's what the word the the root word for educate mm -hmm. means and so um you guys are are, are are right on it and creating an environment that makes results predictable that's yeah i say that say that i've been saying it for a while but it, it just becomes more true and more um, real every time i say it but when you talk about um solutionists and giving birth to um dreams goals and realities um there there's a process to birth bringing something out of the dream realm into the realm mm -hmm. of time and um a lot of times we we dream and we forget we got to wake up and do something and so um part of that process is is number one is realizing that it costs nothing for us to dream and the fact that you know number two the bible is a conclusive book and so anything god does he does it from the conclusion to the beginning so that means he he declares the end in the beginning so everything that the bible is speaking of even if it has not manifested it's a conclusion that's that's the conclusion so when when god shows us dreams and goals on the inside of us or things that we aspire to accomplish because we feel like it's something in us then it's a conclusion already but now we got to walk back to the beginning and say okay father what's my next step the, the the birthing of dreams and pulling them out of the dream realm into the realm of reality we come into agreement with that it's a conclusion and then we ask god simply what's my next step and what God does is it'll give us our next step. And once we take that step, because the Bible says that 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 his word, again, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And he orders our steps. And so things always happen in steps. But what we the the what we the mistake that we make is that we see the end from the beginning because God shows us. Oh, that's what I want you to do. And then we mm -hmm. try and run to the end as opposed to saying, no, just let me take one step. Because, you know, a wise man once asked me, how do you run a mile? One step at a time. Take the first step. Yeah. <laughs> how do you eat a cake, piece of cake? One bite at a time. So everything happens in steps. And um, when we embrace the process of birthing that God has given us, then we're not concerned with the end result. We're only concerned with walking out the process. Because if we're faithful to the process, the reality is already a conclusion. Mm. So I'm sure you've had like lots of experiences where you you have that vision of the conclusion, the end game, yet that first step is just seems so far. <laughs> you know, like you're man, I'm I'm one step into a ultra marathon here. Yes. How, how, how do you how have you kept the, you know, your faith or the encouragement when maybe you're wondering like, is this actually the path I'm supposed to be on? Mm -hmm. Or or yes, I know it is the path I'm been and how do you how have you endured that path, you know, those paths when you yeah. have those. Passes. Um, and those thoughts are going to arise all the time. And I think what holds, what holds me in place, even with me stepping out and starting a couple companies right now is that, you know, it's a conclusion and that, um, I'm guaranteed, um, 
I'm guaranteed it's a, it's a guarantee to me that if I submit if I commit to the process in the front end mm-hmm. that the conclusion is a reality already formulated on the back end and so my commitment to the process on the front end I I believe that in life anything Satan tries to proposition you with always offers you the bells and whistles on the front end and never tells you the price on until you get to the back end. Be like, Hey, have fun. How much is it? I'll tell you later. Just go ahead. And, <laughs> and, but with God, he's giving you it on the front end. Like, look, it's going to take sacrifice. You're going to have to sit down and meet with your family. Let them know what you're going to do. There's some things that you guys are used to doing. You, you're going to have to cut back on some things and really lock in because this is um, the sacrifices that you make today are going to, are going to, um, allow you to have more flexibility in the back end. And so I think that from a family perspective, if you're a married man, then you have to sit down with your family, have a conversation about dreams and goals that are going to impact them and the t- level of sacrifice that you're going to have to make. And then, and I know people are really big on um, what they call, I guess you would call accountability partners, but I've always felt like, you know, the my secret place is, is right in front of God. And so I've always made sure that I've stewarded over my secret place. Well, mm. because the Bible says he, he that dwells in this, well, he that dwells in the secret place of the most, I shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. So anything that we do in a secret place is directly under the shadow of God. Like God is looking over and yeah. the secret places where he, he owns that that's, you know, he that dwells in the secret place of the most, I shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. So the abiding um, there are there are many secrets that people um, think that they have, but there are no secrets that are kept from God. And so anytime we have things where, where there's something we're struggling with, whether it's something that we're dealing with internal or something that we're not proud of, it has to be concealed so that it can be revealed so that it can be healed. But when we don't steward over our secret place, well, we um, find ourselves. Um, out of cadence in other areas. So the question that you asked was, you know, when you, you know, how do you, how do you stay motivated? How do you, you know, when, when trials, when things come, how do you continue to stay focused on birthing this thing and staying the course is for me, it's always been rechecking my secret place. Cause I've all, I've always known this anytime I'm struggling with something that should be under my feet, it's because I haven't submitted to the one who's over my head. So if God says Satan is under my feet and there's appetites and issues that I'm battling and like, where is this coming from? What in the world? And I first have to say, what did what was God's last instruction to me? And have I submitted to that instruction? Mm. And so. Yeah, I, I, I believe that, you know, the attacks that we face on the journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are. Yeah. are Mm-hmm. Are you like, it, it sounds like I'm in trying to envision what it looks like for Priscilla going to your secret place. I mean, does that mm-hmm. look like for you just solitude, prayer, you know, reading? Um, what, what does it actually look like for you when you're trying to, you know, mm-hmm. turn on that connection to God and really trying to download what his next step is for you? What does it actually look like? Yeah, the, the secret place for me is like, I, I, I believe for me, the outer court is when I'm worshiping and praying. Mm. When I get in the secret place, it's total silence, it's total um, exposure where God is opening him up and revealing me to me. And so I get to see the inconsistencies within 
my internal. So if I have a soul tie with, for instance, years ago, I remember just struggling and I shared this, like having eye gate issues and porn and stuff like that. And God took me, you know, my prayers, God showed me me. So I'm a, I'm going to worship, I'm going to pray. But until I get silent and God, Holy Spirit is revealing me to me, then I truly can clean up a secret place. Because the secret place is really, I believe, is the very depth of our soul where we've made covenants and agreements with things that God didn't ordain. And we have to disconnect from those experiences, whether we've had covenants that our eyes have made subconsciously or when we were young and didn't know any better and couldn't disavow um, a covenant or couldn't, you know, couldn't annul an agreement. And we came into agreement with something that now as men we battle with. And I find, I believe that many times men, the secret place is that very depth of your soul where you have to disconnect what they call soul ties or, or covenants that we've made unawares and agreements that we have to come out of covenant with and annul certain things because relationships that we have as men, um, eye gate issues, if those things are continue to replay within our image nation or imagination, then that becomes an image from another nation that's projecting something on our lives that God did not author. And so it becomes incongruent with God's will for our life at that time. And so that's the depth of my secret place is revealing me to me, me seeing it, me verbally pulling it down. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. So within the depth of our soul, those um, agreements um, that we have to disavow keeps our secret place clean. So now we can function properly. Back to the garden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's so good. That's uh so this is one of my favorite things about ISI. I love all the retreats. <laughs> I love the retreat element to to be able to do what you just said, to be able to mm-hmm. have that time to, you know, where we intentionally build in quiet time so you can go and yes. go be by yourself and, and do what you just said. Um, but also like be inspired, you know, by a speaker or somebody like, you know, but selfishly, my ability to connect with people like you and and catch a round two of, of your talk and really hear you mm-hmm. talk about it in different ways. Such a blessing. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, oh, man. I know it's going to be helpful to a lot of the, a lot of the guys. It's awesome. Well, I ask these questions to like everybody as um, kind of one of the things, but you know, I, I love hearing about um, joy. We, we talk a lot about like Philippians 4, 8 and, and mm-hmm. focusing on things that are good and lovely. Um, so I'd love to hear about joy. So for you, like what brings you the most joy in the season? Oh man, just seeing my kids, other kids, giving birth to what God had placed on the inside of them. That's, mm. I'm a kid. My wife, I beg my wife, let's have three more kids. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, I, anyone, you know, I have kids at my house. I have, I have kids staying over. It's just like placing a demand on the greatness on the inside of them mm. and challenging them to be courageous enough to stand out and be different. That's awesome. Man. To stand out and just say, I, I choose to give birth to what's on the inside of me. And that doesn't mean that I I have to look for, depend on other people to come into agreement with what God has placed on the inside of me. But they just need water. They just need people painting a picture. So that's the greatest joy for me is just seeing it unfold and, and being a, a catalyst or a conduit for provoking that. That's awesome. I love that. Man, so good. What about... uh? What about a book, like a top book recommendation, maybe one you're reading now or 
or one that's made a big impact in your life? Man, um, recently, um, there's a couple of books, but actually the one that I'm reading now, and this is a gentleman that I met in this Leadership Strategies of Jesus by Rich Holcomb. Mm. This book is phenomenal because it it's this book. And I told Rich, I said, it'll take me a year or two to read it. But it's part of his. This book is accumulation of 40 years of this man's life. And I'm like, there's no way I can just zoom through that. Yeah, because he's tapping into um, leadership strategies that, you know, for instance, you know, people will think that, well, if you if you're a, if you're a pastor, if you're a part of a fivefold ministry group, then your job is just stay in that lane. And he's exposing how Jesus flowed in every area and and was responsible and, and took responsibility for ensuring that every area of ministry and he calls ministry another way for calling ministry is called business. So in business, you're not just responsible for one space, but you want to be, you want to, you, you want to steward over every area of business so that you can um, govern those areas and, and keep a pulse on what's happening and what you need to do in this area and what type of leaders you need to put in that area, what type of leadership, the people that you have hired in those areas need in order to be successful. So Jesus had his hands on all 12, he knew exactly what every 12 could produce and each 12 represented an individual ministry. And he grew the cloud in those areas so that when he took his hands off, they could produce what they produced. This, this book is great. And then Unbelievable. A, yeah. a classic. Is, yes. Yes. I mean, I, I did, I missed his Saturday talk, but uh, his, his Friday talk was, mm -hmm. I was like, I gotta go after him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And change. Change by Design by Tim Brown. This, this is a great okay. book. This is just a great book that gives you um, yeah. how, you know, understanding how things happen through change. What is change? You know, everyone says they want to change, but very few people change. You know, change is the most consistent thing that happens all around us, but very few people experience it. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Like everything's changing. Nothing stays the same, but very few people yeah. experience change because internal change happening from the inside out starts with how we think. And the Bible says, as you know, as a man thinketh, so is he. So my thinking never changed. Everything else around me can change, but the outcomes and the fruit that I produce won't change. Those are great recommendations. Yeah, and, and two new ones that nobody has mentioned yet to date. So yeah, thank you for, thanks for sharing those. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to reconnect with Rich and, uh, yeah, do my, do my best to, uh, you know, capture, you know, 30, 40 minutes of, <laughs> an amazing, amazing life and career. Um, yeah. And I so. still have to send, um, still have to send these books. I still have, oh, I didn't yeah. have them at the time, but I also finished another book called Solutionist. I'm not Solutionist, I'm sorry, Systemology. And I don't have a copy of that around. But yeah, Systemology is a okay. really good book just dealing with systems. I have to get that, get those books over to you. Yeah, we can do that. I can get, uh, get us in touch. What about um, a life verse or one that, you know, maybe has meant something to you or one that's front and center right now for you? Um, Matthew 6, 33, I would have to say. Um, completing, giving me a clear understanding of the gospel, of seeking mm -hmm. you first, his kingdom, and the rights that I have within that kingdom, righteousness, being in right standing within God's kingdom. And all other things will pursue me. They'll chase after me. That's a kingdom 
philosophy. That's that's the philosophy of the kingdom. And so if I'm a citizen of the kingdom and I take full responsibility um, for being a citizen, then I'm, you know, I I pull on that reality for my life. I refuse to pursue or chase things. They're supposed to be chasing me. Mm. And um, so um, that that added, I remember the first time it became a revelation to me that so, you know, understanding, okay, seek. So first there's something, if he, you know, first means first. So that means how can you be in a, you know, seeking you first, the kingdom of God and the kingdom is within us, the right standing, the edicts, laws, rules, guidelines that God have itched on the tables of our heart, us being in right standing and right relationship with the father by the rules, regulations, and guidelines that he have tethered us to by way of Holy spirit. And us not willing to offend those things. And when we do offend those edicts, it breaks our heart. Mm. And it brings us right back into alignment with the father who loves us so dearly. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That was like my series. That's okay. That's all good. It's very bullseye with what you have been talking about this whole time. You know, you started with, you know, um, don't, you know, let God be true. Don't make him be true. I mean, you, yeah. by first seeking his kingdom. So it's, I mean, it's, I love the, to see the consistency in your words and your actions. And I mean, it's, it's really evident that that's how you roll, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, Purcell, it's been, uh, man, it's such an honor um, getting to spend a little bit more time with you and meeting you at the retreat. Um, hopefully we, we cross paths again. Yes. And, uh, thank you for this time on this. It's been, you know, I know you're sharpening, you know, people and kids and all over the place and everywhere you go. So, um, you know, my hat's off to you for that. And uh, usually we just close you down in a word of prayer. So if, if you wouldn't mind uh, being our guy today, that'd be awesome. All right. Okay. Well, man, um, just want to say, uh, mm, yeah, this has been a blessing. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. And we just um, submit to you. We submit to your rule, your way. Um, we um, would ask in this season that you would uh, guide us and lead us, oh Father. We submit to you. We 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 yield to you, and we um, desire to be more like you. We would ask that you would lead us by your Spirit. That your Spirit will go before us, with us, and after. Your Word says that you um, sent back Holy Spirit, and that He would be our Comforter. That He would lead us into all truth. Father, we thank you today for securing that and that we accept Holy Spirit as our guide, as our lead, as the one who strengthens us, as the ingenuity of bringing heaven to earth that gives us understanding, that gives us revelation, oh Lord. And we just um, become vessels through which Holy Spirit can express the will of the Father. That's our desire, Father. And we just um, thank you today for this opportunity for us to share of course, we understand and know that iron is sharpening iron, oh, Father, as we discuss everything concerning your word, your will, and your way for our life. Lord, we pray that um, this moment would not just be a moment in time, but a moment in eternity that's charted in eternity, oh, Father. We pray that the words that we have spoken today will touch the hearts and minds of your people, oh, Father, that will bring them from a place of less understanding to a place of revelation, will bring them from a place of subjugation to a place of freedom. We give you all praise and glory and honor for everything that's done for the end game concerning this conversation and the revelation that you have spoken on today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.